Not all who wander are lost. Not all who wander are lost. Maybe you resonate with that line um, from the Lord of the Rings. Maybe that's like a battle cry that you have. It's become a battle cry for wanderers everywhere through the years. And the truth is, is that some of us are like perfectly okay just kind of wandering through life looking for the next adventure. Others of us would rather have a root canal. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm curious which one, which category you fall into today. How many of you would say that you are kind of a wanderer? You enjoy new and unexpected adventures? Raise your hand. All right, how many of you are sitting next to a person that like does not have their hand up right now? Like, no, that is not me. So those of you who didn't put your hand up, what do you think? You probably look at the folks who raised their hand like they have three eyes in their head. Like, what are you thinking? You like your routine, you like your structure. Um, the, the phrase unexpected adventure sounds like an oxymoron to you. Like there is no such thing as an unexpected adventure. Um, if that's you, then you might be able to relate to this video. Uh, let's, let's check this out. We made it to the happiest place on earth. It's 9 a.m. I got to schedule every minute of our day until 9 p.m. Pay attention and stay close. I just flew my family halfway across America to visit Disney, and all my homeschool kids want to do is visit the Hall of Presidents. We need a map. $45 for bedazzled mouse ears, baby. You want these or you want to go to college? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's 9.30 in the morning. It's too early to get wet. We're not waiting an hour and a half for impressions of France, okay? Eat a baguette and lose a world war. That's my impression of France. Let's go to Space Mountain. No, I'm not going to push him in a stroller, okay? He's four. No, that's not right. The Splash Mountain is this way. No, you cannot have goofy-shaped chicken nuggets. Sit down. Your mother brought ham sandwiches. Oh, for heaven's sakes, pick up your garbage and throw it away. This isn't Six Flags. Listen, Rebecca, she's not coming out today, okay? That dream to meet Elsa, you better let it go. Oh, you want to go to a small world all by yourself, huh? Well, it's going to turn into a pretty big world when you come outside and can't find your parents. Oh, great. Now my wife wants a photo with Gaston. Perfect. Well, hurry up. Make believe your feet aren't sore. This is Disney. Use your imagination. See these locks right here, kids? That's what happens when you disobey your parents. A four-hour wait for Toy Story? That line is to infinity and beyond. If you don't get back here by the count of three, I will spank you into Tomorrowland. <laughs> Man, I love that guy. So not all who wander are lost. Some are. And like some can't wait to get back to what is known and what is familiar, especially if you're walking through Disney World with kids. But some of you, you find beauty and joy in the, in the midst of the unknown. Like your life motto is it's not about the journey, it's about the destination. These are the explorers, they're the, the curious ones, they're the seekers who are looking for something more in life. They're the ones who never see themselves as lost just, just the ones who are on the road to discovering more about where they are. And for some, that's where you are when it comes to your faith, too. Like you're, you maybe are a wanderer in life, but maybe in faith, you're kind of wandering and exploring and seeking. And if you're not in that place, you probably know or love somebody who, who is in that space. They're, they're spiritually curious. They're seeking God, and they're asking some really really good questions that we need to pay attention to as followers of Jesus. They're asking questions like, what is true? What is true? If Christianity isn't true, then why does it matter? If the Bible isn't true, then why should we listen to anything that it has to say? But if it is true, then that changes everything. 
They're asking questions like, is it real? Are, are faith experiences real and authentic? Do they hold up? Is Christian community genuine? And if it is, and we can show them that it is, then we have their attention. They're asking, what is good? And to a lot of people, the Christian faith is not good news anymore. In fact, for a lot of people, they look at Christianity not as something that's good in the world, but maybe even religion in general as the root of everything that is bad in our world. And so they're wondering, what good is the Christian faith? Or maybe to put it more poignantly, what good is the Christian faith doing? And if we can show them the difference that Jesus is making, not just in our lives, but through our lives into this world, then they may come to find the goodness of Christ as well. They're asking, what is beautiful? What is it that gives life and meaning and fills the longing that is in our soul? They're, they're looking to anything else, and they're finding that it's not fulfilling, and so they're wondering, what is beautiful? What's going to quench that thirst inside of me? And to each one of these questions, I would absolutely say Jesus is the answer. Jesus is truth. Jesus provides real experiences and community that are lasting and fulfilling. Jesus is good, and he sent his church out into this world to offer more than just thoughts and prayers, but to really make a difference, to be a part of what God is doing to redeem and restore and renew the world and the people around us. Jesus is beautiful. He alone is able to fill that hole inside our souls. He, he fills that thirst that we long for, the hunger that we have. Our desire for more beauty in our lives points us to a beautiful God who loves us. And as people are wandering through life, they're looking for answers to these deep spiritual questions. And we need to be ready to point them to a God who is drawing them near to himself through the Holy Spirit. If you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We'll also have the words up on the, up on the screen this morning. We're in the second, series, or second week of our series called Four Chairs. And over the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about the different stages of spiritual development that we all go through in our journey with, with Christ. That we all kind of go through as we become more and more like Jesus. And really that, at the end of the day, is God's will for your life. God's will is for you to become more and more like the image of Jesus and how he acts and how he behaves and how he loves others, to be more like Jesus, to be image bearers of his son. And so throughout this series, we're going to be using different chairs as examples of kind of what that stage represents and, and what it captures. And, and, and we thought that, that the chair that best captures chair one and the folks who are in this chair is the camp chair. A camp chair is such a wonderful invention, isn't it? Like, I am so looking forward to fall, um, not just cooler temperatures, but also being able to sit in one of these around a campfire with friends, sharing stories, uh, roasting marshmallows, making s'mores. And something I learned just a couple of years ago, if you don't hear me say anything else today, hear me say this, because this will change your life, Okay. The next time you're making s'mores, throw out the Hershey's chocolate bar and put a Reese's peanut butter cup on there instead. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing ever. It's so good. I can't wait to sit around a campfire and enjoy those moments. And 
And these chairs, how many of you remember life before these chairs? Like I remember there was a day when these things did not exist. And then like the next day, you just saw them everywhere. Like they just popped up out of nowhere because they're so much better than the alternative. The alternative was like we have to sit on the ground or we have to sit on a rock or a piece of wood or a hay bale. And these things are so much more comfortable. And so now they sell them in all sorts of shapes and sizes. We have some for our kids that of course have Disney characters on them that we paid $45 for like in that video. Um, <laughs> there are camp chairs that uh, recline, that rock. There are camp chairs that have little side tables that come out. I even saw a camp chair this week that's actually a camp couch. I think we have a, a picture of it up on the screen. For only $51.94, you and five of your closest friends can sit in that chair and pray that the thing doesn't fall apart. Like, I would sit in that thing and have zero confidence that it's going to hold all of us up. And so these things are so popular these days. And I think one of the reasons why, why we love them so much, I mean, yeah, they are comfortable, um, but they're also convenient, right? Because whenever you're done using them, you can just come right back over to it fold it up, pack it back in its little bag um, that, you know, you spend more time struggling to get in and take out of than you actually enjoy sitting in it. And then you can just take it with you wherever you, you go. And so the camp chair is perfect for the wanderer. Like the camp chair is perfect for the person who wants to be able to pack up and go in a moment's notice. And to me, it's a perfect analogy for the person who's not quite sure that they're ready to take a firm seat in the Christian faith. If they're not quite ready to, to really plant that into the ground and say, this is what I believe. They're not ready to make a lasting commitment. And the Bible values folks that are in that stage of their spiritual development. In our text today, John chapter 3, a guy named Nicodemus, um, he wasn't sure what he believed about Jesus. And so he found him underneath the cloak of darkness and wanted to ask him a few questions. And we just covered Nicodemus' story a couple of months ago in July. I'm not going to go into a lot of depth in it. Um, if, if you weren't there, I encourage you to go online, listen to it. Um, Nicodemus' life was absolutely amazing. Not just from this first encounter that we read in John chapter 3, but how he just continues to seek Jesus throughout the rest of his ministry and, and what, you know, where he goes from this first encounter to, to the last. It's pretty incredible. But for our purposes today, what we need to understand is that Nicodemus was a religious man. Uh, he was, in fact, even a religious leader. But he had a lot of questions about Jesus. He, he wasn't sure who Jesus was, where he was from, some of these teachings that, that Jesus was, was teaching, he, he wasn't really sure the validity of it. And instead of letting his questions and his doubts keep him away, Jesus was available to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus actually sought Jesus out looking for answers. And at the end of their time together, it prompted John, who wrote this gospel, which is a story depicting and telling the, the life of Jesus. It prompted John to write some of the most familiar and beloved words in all of Scripture. This is what he says, John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, if you're here this morning, 
And you're sitting in chair one. You're the person who's exploring, who's seeking, who's spiritually curious, but not ready to really plant anything down. I hope that today, as we unpack this verse a little bit more, you're going to understand God's love for you and his deep desire to be in a relationship with you. And if you're in chair two, three, or four, I hope that today you'll understand not just God's love for you more deeply, but also how you can share that love with your friends and the people that you love who are sitting in chair one, who are asking good questions, who are spiritually curious and looking for answers. So let's break this verse down. First, for God so loved. What the Bible teaches over and over and over is that God loves you. God loves you. Scripture paints a picture of a God who is jealous for your heart. There's so many things in this world that are trying to steal your attention away from him, and he is jealously calling out to you. He wants you to know him and love him intimately, just as he knows and loves you. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. If you're in chair one this morning, the fact that you are here is proof that God is drawing you near to himself. You may think that you're here this morning just because somebody brought you here or because someone promised you lunch after church. I'm telling you, there's more to it than that. (laughs) There's more to it than that. God is drawing you close to himself. Second part, for God so loved the world. Now, don't miss this. See, John says the the world, and, and that seems so big and unaccessible, doesn't it? But when John says the world, that includes you. That includes you. And it's easy to read a verse like this and hear the world and think that that means everyone else. And so an exercise that I like to do whenever I come across a phrase like this that seems so big is I like to just personalize it. For God so loved me. I'll tell you, there are times where that statement's hard to say. There are times when I don't really feel that. For God so loved me. Say that with me this morning. For God so loved me. For some of you, even that last word coming out came out on trembling lips and a heart that wants to believe it, but you're just not quite sure that God can love you after where you have been, after what you've done, after what's been done to you. You think, there's no way that God can still love me, but God so loved the world that included you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his one and only son. Jesus sent, came into this world to live amongst us, to experience our joys and our sorrows, our pains, our fears, our concerns. In Jesus, God became like us in every single way. And when he did, he didn't separate himself from the world. He didn't hang out over in like this holy huddle where he was immune from all of the chaos and the sin. No, Jesus dove right into the chaos and the mess. Jesus hung out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors and those that felt like there's no way that God could love someone like them. Jesus planted himself right in the middle of them when he came into this world. 
He served them instead of demanding to be served. And he did this so much that he developed a nickname throughout his ministry. They called him Jesus, the friend of sinners. He entered into our world, became friends with people just like you and me. And the reason he did it was that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Perish. That's a tough word in this passage of good news. But it's a word of truth that we need to hear. If you're in chair one this morning or you know and love someone in chair one, you need to know this, that scripture teaches that you're not just simply a nice person who needs a little bit more life or a little bit more church or a little bit more morals or a few more good deeds or a little bit more faith. If you're apart from Jesus this morning, scripture teaches that you are spiritually dead and in need of resurrection. It teaches that apart from Jesus, you are an enemy of God, deserving of his wrath, that no matter how hard you try, you cannot please God on your own. And when you are physically dead, you are destined to eternity apart from God. This is a hard truth to say for many of us. It is even a harder truth to hear. But nonetheless, it's truth. You are unable to save yourself from your sin. Apart from Christ, we are dead. We are lost. We are alone. But the good news is, Jesus can reverse this. Jesus can reverse this condition because whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. He sent Jesus, his son, to die for you. And when you place your faith in him, he gives you new life and a fresh start. And he gives you the promise of eternal life with him. As a preacher named Howard Hendricks once said, the amazing thing, my friend, The amazing thing is not that you die, but the amazing thing is that you live. We think that we are in a land of the living on the way to the dying. My friend, nothing could be further from the biblical truth. You and I, those who believe we are in the land of the dying on our way to the land of the living. That is who we are in Christ. That is the promise that we cling to for those of us who believe. And if you find yourself in chair one, I'm telling you, that is the promise that God has given you today. You're in the land of the dying on our way to the land of the living. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So if you're sitting firmly in chair one this morning, the camp chair, you're exploring faith or Jesus, you're wondering, is it true? Is it good? Is it beautiful? Is it real? I want you to know he is all of those things and more. God sent his son to show you the fullness of his love to you. To bring you from death to life, a life that is abundant, not just on earth, but for all of eternity. And if you're here today and you're in chair two, three, or four, God is sending you out into this world with this good news of his love. 
We, we talked last week about the great commission, this, this commission to go out and make disciples of the world. I had a buddy who sent me a text yesterday saying that a lot of Christians treat the great commission as the great suggestion. That is something that Jesus just suggests us to do, but that's not it. He sent us out into this world with this mission to make disciples and to let people know the love that God has for them through Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, God is sending you into the world that he loves and longs for to point them back to him. And our evangelism strategy at Sherwood Oaks is built on how we see Jesus live this out in his ministry. We call it 3D1. The first D is develop friendships. People in chair one who are seekers, who are spiritually curious, they need a friend who is willing to enter into their world to be an authentic friend to them, just like Jesus was to us. The second D is discover stories. To listen with empathy. I'm telling you, you guys know this. You experience this. Life is hard. We all need people in our life who are more interested in listening than talking. And people who are sitting in chair one especially need someone who's just willing to listen to them. Their hurts, their habits, their hang-ups things that concern them. Seven times in Scripture, the Gospel writers say that Jesus looked upon the crowds with compassion. Seven times they say Jesus looked at the crowds with compassion. The reason he had compassion for them is because he understood and knew and empathized with what they were going through, the pain that they were experiencing. As we discover the stories of our friends and loved ones who are not yet followers of Jesus, we will begin to have that same compassion and care for them that Jesus has. Third D, discern next steps. Your next step might just be to be the, the absolute best friend that you can be to them. Your next step might be to say, hey, there's a book I want you to read. Let's go through this together. It might be to actually present the gospel to them. Pray for the Holy Spirit's wisdom and guidance and have the boldness to take the next step that you feel the Lord is leading you to take. 3D1, develop friendships, discover stories, discern next steps. It's the pattern that we saw Jesus live out and it's the pattern that we want to model as a church. And we do all of this with one life, a person in your life who is not yet a follower of Jesus that you're intentionally praying for to be able to lead to him. It's why we do things like one life. It's why we pray for those who are living far from God. Not all who wander are lost. They're not. They're exploring they're spiritually curious. They're seeking something more and they are asking great questions about faith. Is it true? Is it real? Is it good? Is it beautiful? And God is sending us out into this world to answer with a resounding yes. Yes. And so will you be a part of what God is doing to help someone move from chair one to chair two, from come and see to follow me? And maybe you're here today and you feel Jesus is pulling you that direction. And you're ready to take that first step of faith and say, I'm ready to surrender my life to him and start following. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray and we're going to sing an invitation song. We're going to close off with a special time of prayer this morning. But if you have a decision that you're ready to make, if you're saying, yeah, I'm ready to get out of the camp chair, Start following Jesus. If you need someone to pray with you, you can come forward while we sing. There'll be some folks up here that'd love to do that. 
You can come and find me after this service. Let's pray and let's sing. If the Lord's laying anything on your heart this morning, you come. God, thank you for the message of the gospel. Thank you for your grace in Jesus. Thank you that you love the world so much that you gave your son that when we believe in him, we shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you for the hope in that. And for those today who are exploring, who are spiritually curious, pray, God, that you'll give them the courage to take that next step towards you, that you'll continue just to draw them closer and closer to yourself, and that they'll find life and meaning and purpose and joy in you. Lord, send us out to teach that message to others and point them to the grace and the love that's only found in Christ. In his name I pray.